Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. There are different ways that we can think of God and relate to Him. But may I suggest to you for this psalm that we're going to begin today, that we relate to God and think of Him as the Creator. Yes, indeed. God has created all things. He has done so rapidly as the Bible confirms in six days. And people oftentimes ask me, do I believe that God created the heavens and earth and all that's within them in six days? Yes, I do. And when did he do this? Well, not billions of years ago, but relatively a short time ago approximately 6,000 years, maybe a little bit more than that, but roughly 6,000 years. And here's what we find. When we look at the geological record, we see evidence for a flood. We see biblical truth being revealed in creation that God did indeed create this world, not billions of years ago, but relatively recently. And when we examine the geological record, we see that that things did not evolve. What do people want to say? Well, those who believe in the false teaching of evolution, and by the way, there are denominations today that have embraced evolution. They lie. They say that evolution in the Bible do not uh, disagree. Yes, it does. You cannot have it both ways. And don't believe those who say, if, if you teach a literal six days of creation, that, that the whole Bible will come collapsing down. It's like a house of cards and you reveal this that's false and therefore it all falls. Nothing, nothing is false in the Bible. And this is not uh, immaturity. This is not believing something that, that cannot stand up against science. In fact, what we actually are seeing is that science is catching up with the Bible. For example, the Bible does not teach a flat earth. The Bible teaches, it uses a word hug, which speaks about a circle. The Word of God is wonderful. It knows all things. Every saying that it attests to, it attests to accurately. We can trust the inerrancy of the Word of God mean There are no errors in Scripture as they were written down the first time when God's Spirit inspired holy men to write these texts down. They are perfectly accurate. Well, with that said, take out your Bible and look with me to Psalm 104. Now, you may be wondering why all of a sudden did I begin speaking about creation? And the answer is simple. When we look at this Psalm, It deals a great uh, amount of time with creation. 
We're going to look at the first half of this psalm, and we'll see both in the first half and later on that it deals with creation. And what does it say? It teaches us that how God created all things reveals His splendor, His majesty, His glory. And furthermore, those who want to believe in evolution, what's their motivation? They don't want to give God glory. Evolution is a lie. It is not scientific. The geological record does not support evolution. What is the the big savior of evolution? Well, from their standpoint, it's time. You know, the creation of the world just keeps getting longer ago and longer ago and longer ago. Why? Well, very simply, they want to sell you a, a, a lie. And what is that lie? Well, if you just give something long enough, anything can happen. That is not the case. Let me give you an example. If you take all the words in a dictionary, and you take those letters and you randomly mix them up and you cast them out and you do so and throw them very hard where all the letters go out and you begin to assemble them from those that went the furthest and you unite them are they ever going to accurately spell all the words in the dictionary correctly with their definitions and such of course not you can keep throwing that out one year ten years a hundred years a thousand years a million years a billion years and it will never ever spell those words correctly in order all that's in the dictionary it simply won't do that and what we see with evolution is randomness that over time things that were random came into being that does not happen there's no evidence of that this evolution that they want you to believe is not seen for example in in fossil history there's that missing link and it will forever be missing because it does not exist god created animals to be animals fish to be fish plants to be plant there was an order to this and human beings to be human beings we did not evolve from from one cell we did not come out of the water we were not monkeys and apes in the past that is an insulting thing towards god do not believe such a lie and why is it taught for one main reason they don't want to give honor and glory to god they want to think that they are smarter than god and they're not in fact you know in elementary school and such high school and perhaps uh introductory college level classes yes they teach evolution but as you go further into geology you will find that more and more geologists are coming to the conclusion and rightly so based upon the scientific evidence that this creation isn't billions of years old that came about by chance through randomness but we see in creation order we see purpose we see a mindset that sets things in order and all of that reflects the glory of god but if you don't want to believe in god and you don't want to give god's glory what do you believe in evolution 
let me say this very clearly. Anyone who says, oh, I'm a follower of, of Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ, but I believe in evolution, that person is a liar. He has not, she has not truly believed in a biblical God. They do not know the Savior. They are more in, in sync with the deceit of this world than they are with the truth of Scripture. Well, let's begin. Look at verse 1. As I said, the book of Psalms and Psalm 104, where it says, and the subject of this first verse is my soul. Obviously, the author is speaking his soul, but we should all receive this. This is what we were created to do. And what is that? We read, my soul, bless, and this is a commandment, bless the Lord. That's where wisdom is, giving God glory, blessing his name. So again, bless the Lord, my soul. The Lord, my God. And then it says, gadalta, which means you have been great. And then the last word, meod, meaning very great. Now, it's in the past tense. Why? In the context of this psalm, the author is going to speak about what God has done in the past. And it's that past activity, the past actions of God, creation, for example, that has manifested God's glory, has manifested how great God was. And of course, he's still great and he's eternally great. But the emphasis is on the past because we're speaking about creation. And then it says, let's wrap up this first verse where it says majesty and splendor now these two words if we look at them hod it can be glory majesty splendor and the word hadar which is a synonym for that same same concept so two very similar words that will translate majesty and splendor and the scripture says you have clothed meaning you have clothed yourself, O God, with majesty and splendor. How? As we're going to see, through his creation. His creation reveals, see, garments are oftentimes biblically related to deeds. So the deeds of God reveal his splendor and majesty. Look now to, to verse 2. We have this word for, for clothing or wrapping around and it says light as a garment so you have wrapped up light as a garment and also you have stretched forth the heavens as a curtain now we have simply light and a curtain now many times and we don't see it as much today but at once we would see that a curtain was used and it it utilized the light you saw the design it was a glorious thing to see how light brought about these curtains to light and and showed their design in them we don't use curtains that way today for the most part but once they did and what god is saying once more is that that through the use of light and light also can be revelation and there's much revelation through his creation so he stretches forth the heavens as a a curtain 
and then look at verse 3. We see that God, who is forever wise, he sets boundaries. And biblically, if you study Genesis 1, you see that there's lower water. What's that? The sea, the ocean, rivers and such, and lakes. But there's also the upper waters. And God has has set boundaries for this. This is what the scripture is saying. Look at verse 3. He speaks about laying timber or beams. And he does so upon the waters up above. So he's setting kind of a ceiling for the upper waters. And then he also says in this same passage of scripture, look carefully, and he has placed clouds as his chariot, and also he goes upon the wings of the wind. What is this saying? God has put things into order. There are limitations to his creation. There are boundaries. And God is able to go like clouds move. He is able to go throughout all of his creation. Now, two things I would want to say. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. But there's also the uniqueness of the presence of God in specific locations. God moves. Yes, he's all places at all times, but there's also the moving of God, his his present coming in a very unique way. And that's what this scripture is speaking of. Look, if you would, to verse 4. He makes his messengers, and this word for messenger can be an angel, but we'll translate it in this way. He makes his messengers as winds or spirits. It's the same word. Ruach can be a wind in the natural sense or a spirit in a, a, in a celestial sense, like an angel. So he makes his messengers as spirits and his servants as a flame of fire. Now, what he's speaking about here is simply this. God controls all things. He has made those things that are spiritual, and he has made those things that are more physical. So here, the servants are probably speaking about uh, servants as well as the angels in a spiritual, in a celestial, in a heavenly way. God has established these things to serve him and to be used for his purposes then look at verse 5 he has founded the earth upon its foundations and it will not uh, collapse will not move will not uh, collapse ever and it's olam ve'ed it never will so god is going to maintain this earth it's not going to collapse it's not going to move out of place but one day there'll be a new creation and we're speaking about the kingdom of god verse six he uses the word to home this is the abyss or in this case based upon context we're talking about the deep as in the deep depths of the ocean and he says as a garment he covers upon the mountains the waters stand 
So God is able to do two things. He's able to place water in the deeps if he wants it in that, that depths of the sea. But he's also able to cause water to come up above the mountains. What it's saying is nothing is too difficult for God. God is able to take water down below. He's able to bring water up above, even above the mountains. Why? With God, all things are possible. Now, what we see is something very interesting. And that is, you can go to places where there are mountains, and you look at sometimes rocks that have fossils in them. Good friend of mine, Paul Claus, he took me to Alaska once, and he showed me these rocks that had fossils in them. And here's what's interesting. The geologist will tell us that such rocks only last a few thousand years, but for those mountains to to come up at the heights that they are took millions of years well what's the problem well if it took all that time for the mountains to get up to those high elevations these rocks wouldn't be there where the sea was down below it came up from the sea and it crested the sea and went above it over millions of years if you believe the lies of evolution But if that was the case, how can on the tops of these mountains that we have these rocks that relate to things that were in the sea? It simply doesn't add up. What does the Word of God say? God created things rapidly in six days. And things based upon the flood caused mountains to rise up and to do so quickly. That's why those rocks that were submerged in the ocean are now found upon mountains didn't take billions of years that's a lot it happened quickly that's why they're still there and we can see what has transpired in a quick moment in rapid time and that is the building up of mountains swiftly oftentimes as an outcome of the flood or through other events that happen quickly so what does he say he has founded the earth upon its foundations and it's not going to move it's not going to collapse and it's not going to do so ever olam ve'ed verse 6 and the depths we see that the depths he has covered and he's covered like he has a garment meaning in no more difficulty is putting on a garment god has covered up the depths and he's also called waters to go up above up above the mountains for the waters stand there verse 7 from your rebuke they have fled meaning god spoke and it is he rebuked and therefore they responded from the sound of your thunder what did they do they moved quickly now this is the same route for the children of israel coming out of egypt with meaning doing so very very quickly and what is it saying here god spoke his voice as the thunder and therefore things moved rapidly to its place where god wanted them to be look at verse 8 the mountains went up and the valleys they went down 
And we see here to this place where he had founded them, meaning in accordance to God's design. So all of these things speak about God as designer. Yes, he's creator, but he designed them in this way according to his order. Verse 9, for the border you have set and, and they will not pass through, meaning what God says you cannot pass through, his creation does not violate his laws, his borders. And then he says, they will not return from covering the earth, meaning this, what God covers up will remain covered. What God reveals will remain revealed. This is how God operates. It's all based upon his purposes, and he sets these things in order for the purpose of revealing things to us. And what we find when you study geology and you do so honestly, you find more and more reasons to worship God, to glorify Him, to praise Him, that your innermost being, the real you, bless the Lord. Why? Because He is indeed a God of glory, a God of majesty, a God of splendor. Verse verse 10. The one who sets forth the springs into, and the word here is Nachalim, which is the uh, uh, dry riverbeds. Oftentimes you may be more familiar with the word Wadi. And this is a place where water, for example, in the, the wintertime, the rainy season in Israel, the water flows. But it simply says here in this case that God, and this word can be river as well, the word nachal. And in this context, what it's saying is that God sends from the springs into rivers. Between the mountains, they go, and oftentimes we see rivers from, from between the mountains. Verse 11, he has watered, literally they, these things, God's the source of it, but, but these rivers, they give drink to his uh, animals uh, of the field, so literally of my field. So God gives drink through these rivers to the animals of the field. And it says the wild donkeys, they will find that their thirst is broken, meaning their thirst is quenched. Verse, verse 12, upon them the fowl of the heavens dwell. So God, he gives drink to this creation. He waters it. And because of that, the birds of the heavens, they find a place to dwell. And between, between the branches, and the implication is the branches of a tree, what happens he gives to them, they give their voice, meaning we hear the birds because of, of trees providing shelter for birds, providing habitation for birds, providing sometimes uh, nourishment for birds. It says here, between the branches, they, they give their voice. Verse 13, once again, it's a word for giving drink or watering. The mountains, and it says here, are, are, are given drink from the upper, meaning that upper water that we talked about earlier. 
and from the fruit of your works, it says the earth is satisfied. Now, it all speaks about how God sustains his creation. And think about this. For more than 6,000 years, God has sustained his creation. Now, what, what's happening? Well, just think about how foolish some uh, evolutionists are. For example, this world, from their standpoint, is billions and billions of years old. And what happens? It has survived. But now we see climate uh, crises going on, and we need to take care of the earth. Well, I'm all for taking care of God's creation, but uh, not in the way that they are teaching. Meaning, we don't see that this world is going to be destroyed by man. You know what's going to destroy this world? God is. And you know why he's going to destroy it? He is going to bring his wrath upon it because of sinfulness. We should be much more concerned about sin than we are about uh, damaging this world. Now, here again, I'm not for damaging this world and pollution and all of that. That's not good. That's sinful. But it's not that sin that is going to bring about God's anger into this world. It's going to be immorality it's going to be a rejection of the truth and a rejection of the gospel so look carefully at what the scripture says the mountains they are given drink meaning they're given water from the up above waters and we read furthermore where it says and from the fruit of your works the earth is satisfied verse 34 the the grass it sprouts up for animal and this is where behima which means usually a domesticated animal meaning ones that we can use and ones that we can eat and also we have a synonym for grass we first had the word katsir now we have the word esif and it's another word for grass is for the work of man so God gives uh, uh, grass in order that those animals can, can assist us in doing work. For what purpose? Well, to bring forth bread from the earth. Literally, leotzi lechem men ha'arts. To bring forth, gra- bring forth bread, and this can be used in a general sense, nourishment for the earth. Verse 15. And not just bread, but notice something else. And wine will make glad the human heart or the heart of man. And notice something else. It says, and this is a word for joy or gladness, for the gladdening of the face from oil. And the implication is oil is like a a, a perfume. It is uh, pleasant. We know the psalm in the scriptures where it says the oil runs down upon the beard of Aharon and it's pleasurable. Anointing oneself was a luxury. It was pleasant. And therefore, we see that same thing here in the scripture at the middle of verse 15. And then look at the end of verse 16. And for the bread, the heart of man is he is founded meaning this when we 
receive God's sustenance and that's how bread's being used here when we receive God's provision what does it do it gives to the heart of man it it gives us the foundation when we see God is the supplier that God gives it 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 changes our thoughts we understand God in a different way in a more accurate way verse 16 the trees of the Lord literally they are satisfied some will say that they are satiated and it means with sap and here again this is God's provision but literally it says the trees of the Lord they are satisfied and then we have the 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 cedars of lebanon which he has has planted verse 17 where there the birds what do the birds do make their nests and the stork in the cypress and is in the plural in the cypress trees they find meaning the the stork it's singular in this case but it's for all the storks they find a home and then look at our last verse verse 18 the high mountains is are for the the goats and this is the term yael it's kind of those uh uh goats in the deserts that have those long horns it's a type of ram and it says here the high mountains are for the goats and we see that the rocks they provide a shelter for and this is the word shafan it's in the plural so these are these rock bunnies and literally yesterday i was at engedi and while i was at engedi you see these things these what in english we call rock buddies and what do they do just what the scripture says they see human beings and they run and hide in between the rocks so what god has said so many years ago is true it was true then it's true now and it will be true as long as god allows this creation to exist but realize there's coming a new creation a second creation and we're speaking about the kingdom of god well i'm going to wrap up this lesson at this time and we'll turn our attention once again next week to the second part of psalm 104 where god speaks to us about him being majestic glorious full of splendor and if you want to experience that god then take his word for what it is truth from heaven for you and for me until next week shalom from israel Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel.